All right, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Okay, hopefully we wake up a little more because that's what the sermon's about. Um, so, it's good to be with you all this morning as we start a new four-week series here in July. And as most of you probably know, some of you don't, this is typically the time when Mike takes a little time off to rest, rejuvenate, and relax with his, with his family uh, to get ready for the fall. And so for the next four weeks, you guys are going to be hearing from different preachers from Isu, which I think is pretty cool. And so you would think with Mike being gone, he would lob the non-regulars some easy passages just to knock out of the park, right? All right, so naturally today we begin a series on the end times. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> And you guys get one of the youth pastors for the first one. So, super, super. Um, uh, in all seriousness, though, after studying the passage uh, for this morning all week, there's a lot of stuff I believe the Lord wants to speak to us today from his word. And I want to preface this morning's sermon with this. I'm not here to make a bunch of predictions about the end times today. And, and, and sometimes end times talk can be a distraction instead of a call to action. And that's not what we want this morning to be. Actually, this past week, we received a packet from some random organization that gave us an exact date in like 2026 of when the end is happening. Um, and I'm not going to do that today, partly because at the end of the passage we read today, it says that no one knows the day or hour. And so I'm like, how? But apparently this guy does. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I'm not going to do any of that because... The truth is there's a lot out there that, that has to do with the end times and this topic. And because even though we do have the word of God, God is still a mystery. And a lot of God and who he is is going to remain a mystery until we're with him in heaven again. And so I don't want to get up here with my own opinions and agenda and try and say what's exactly going to happen. I just want to preach the word of God today. And I'm going to preach Jesus through his written word. And my hope is that in this series, it will encourage us to live more faithful in the present because of what's promised in the future. Okay? So, if you guys have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 13. If you're with us online, go ahead, grab your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 13. That's where we're going to be this morning. And as you guys are flipping there, I thought I'd fill you in just on my past week and the high school team's past week. We've been working and preparing for our upcoming trip next week to CIY Move. Now, if you guys don't know what CIY Move is, it is a Christ in Youth conference put on for five days where students, we're going to load them onto buses, almost 200 high school students, we're going to load them onto buses tomorrow, we're going to take them to Wheaton College for a week of worshiping the Lord, intentional conversations in small groups, playing games and activities, and building relationships. And we found that this week, has to be one of the best weeks for those to make a first-time decision for Jesus, to, for those to commit to making a, another step in their faith, and for a few like myself, a commitment to go into vocational ministry. And so big things happen at CIY Move, and part of what makes this trip so successful for our high school students that isn't the awesome speakers, the worship, the small group talk, no, it is the hard curfew. That's what makes this week work, because we found when students go to bed, when they follow curfew and they get sleep, there's less tears, there's less drama, and what I find to be the most important, less sleeping during the sermon. <laughs> you would not believe, in my years of attending CIY Move and leading at CIY Move, I remember the moments during a sermon where this guy is just nailing it, and I'm like, 
yes, this is so good. And I'm thinking about so-and-so in my group, okay, like Jack. Like, Jack, oh, this is so good. I'm so glad Jack is here listening to this. This is just money. And I look over, and he is just absolutely knocked out, right? <laughs> just head in the shoulder, just out, right? And so I got to, like, you know, I make someone in the group, like, nudge him, and I tell him, hey, buddy, stay awake, Stay awake, pay attention. You're gonna miss something that God has for you. And so here's to next week of nudging students all week to stay awake at CIY Move because God's on the move at Move. See what I did there? Okay. In our passage today, that's the big thing Jesus is getting at when we're talking about these last days is to stay awake, is to pay attention, to be ready because God is up to something. So, during these last days, be on your guard. Be on your guard. Be ready because God is up to something. So here's my encouragement for us today. As we open up the word of God, as we open up Mark chapter 13, let's be on our guard. Let's look for signs. Let's be ready. Let's stay awake because God might be a lot closer this morning than you might think. So Mark chapter 13 starting in verse one. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And out on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains, but be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you're to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit." And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Let me pray for us this morning. God, would you be present in this place? Would you speak to your people through your word? And God, I... I pray we get rid of any distractions today. I pray you would bind the devil from any distraction that comes from what your truth needs to be preached this morning. And so God, I I pray we as a church would stay awake right now and we'd be on our guard and we'd be ready because God, you're on the move and we wanna see what happens when you do. And so God, I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. 
So this long conversation, which we're going to get to in a little bit, I'm going to kind of go a little further than the first few verses that we read, um, because this goes on for a while. But this long conversation that Jesus has with Peter, James, John, and Andrew all begins with someone in the group, we don't know who, but someone in the group makes a comment about Herod's temple. And, and this temple, it would have been huge, Okay, this, was, this would have been twice the size of Solomon's original temple back in the Old Testament. Herod builds this newer temple. It's bigger and better than Solomon's temple. And so these disciples, they're blown away by it, right? They turn, they, they turn to Jesus and the other disciples and they're like, man, look at these wonderful stones, these wonderful buildings. Wow, Herod, you did an awesome job, right? And Jesus seems very unimpressed in his response. He says, yeah, you, you see these buildings? There's not gonna be one stone that doesn't come crashing down, right? And so like immediately like mood killer. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thought it was cool, but maybe not. It sets up this whole dialogue going into these last days by sharing some truths that Jesus is hinting at here. Number one, this world is temporary. This world is temporary. Whatever you see here in this world that's magnificent on this earth, it's not gonna last, it's not going to last. It will eventually be gone. And number two, Jesus is getting at here, this temple, it's not going to be relevant for much longer. Because you see, the atonement for sins that happened in the temple, well, I'm here now. And I'm going to atone for all sins. And so that's what Jesus is getting at here. He's setting up a truth that the disciples need to understand before they go into this dialogue about when these things will be. It's the world is not all there is, so quit living like it is. Right, Because the minute we start living like this world is all there is, is the moment we miss something God might be doing in us for later. All right, So we've got to pay attention to that because Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, they're, they're asking this question. They're, they're wowed by this temple. But Jesus is like, no, 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 we're not focused on just this earth and what's going to happen here because things are going to change. This isn't going to last. And so obviously Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, they're curious, right? Jesus said this crazy thing's going to happen. All these stones are going to fall to the ground. So they ask him in verse 4. Verse 4, they say, when are these things going to be? And when will be this, what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And before we get into that, there's two notes that I want to give for the context of this passage. Number one is there, there's a near future context to this. Titus, in the year 66, is going to come in and he's going to destroy Jerusalem and the temple. And so it's very possible that Jesus here, when he's talking about this building and this temple coming crashing down, that he's foreshadowing what's going to happen in the year 66 when Titus comes in and this falls to the ground. But there's also a farther future context here that Jesus is getting at here. In the last days where judgment is going to come, Jesus is going to return, and these, these things are going to happen. So my hope is today we can look at this teaching from Jesus to his disciples and apply it to today. So the question is, how do we as Christ followers live in these last days? Well, I believe we can look to Jesus for that answer. And it starts with this. During these last days, watch for signs. Watch for signs during these last days. The disciples are asking, how do we know? What will be the sign? And so Jesus goes into this long monologue starting in verse 5. I want to read verse 5 and verse 6 again. Jesus began to say, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. All right, so Jesus shares a sign to look for when you're living in the last days 
is those that are going to claim to be Jesus. Or in other words, if we were to think about our context today, I would more say those that claim they are speaking on behalf of Jesus, that has nothing to do with the truth. All right? Some statements that I believe a Christ could lead a Christ follower astray that seeps into our culture, that seeps sometimes into our churches, is stuff like, Jesus just wants you to be happy. That, that Jesus is cool with your choices. Jesus is cool with your sin. Right? The whole Bible isn't necessarily true. Or the Old Testament God is different than the New Testament God. There, there's, there's a bunch of different statements that I feel like we proclaim, this is what Jesus says, or this is what the Bible says, or, or this is the truth, and it's, it's not. And it can lead us astray. And so as we live in these last days, we have to be watchful for the things we hear that might actually sound really good in the moment. You might even say, wow, I've never actually heard that before. That's just something to just pay attention. Okay, I've never heard this before. Is this still true? Is this true? Jesus goes on to say a little farther. Now go down to verse 21 and 23. Jesus says, and then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, don't believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and they'll perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Be on guard. I have told you all these things beforehand. Now, a quick note on the elect. We're not talking some proud elite here. We're talking about recipients of God's grace. All right, we're talking Christ followers. And so Jesus is really getting at, yeah, we're, the, the world can lead the world astray, but we're talking to Christians here. This is a warning to Christ followers. These things can lead you astray. So he says, when in doubt, cling to what is true. And guys, what is true is the word of God. It's why we preach this. It's why, we, it's why I can get up here on this stage and not be worried that I'm going to say something stupid, even though sometimes I do, right? But if I'm preaching this, I know I'm speaking truth, right? Because this is the infallible and errant word of God, just like what Jason was talking about here. So Jesus, he's getting at here, just be on your guard. Watch for signs. There are going to be false prophets that arise. They're going to do things that are really cool, that seem really awesome, that seem brand new, new information, cool. That sounds great. Pay attention. Be alert. Be on your guard. Jesus, after warning on false prophets, he goes into details about what another sign might be for these last days. And a lot of this points to living in the last days sounds like living in a hostile world. Living in a hostile world. And so if you're to think, what are the signs? Are we living in the last days right now? You can look at these things that Jesus kind of addresses. If you look in verse 8, he talks about nation against nation. Well, yeah, we look at the world today. Things like Russia and Ukraine, the United States, China, Israel, Syria. There are nation against nation going on right now. Jesus talks again in verse 8 that kingdom will go against kingdom. You think about regimes in different countries. Or I like to think the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of this world. They're against each other, right? And so we look at these last days. It's like, yeah, there's kingdom against kingdom right now. Even in verse 8, Jesus talks about earthquakes and famines. Think natural disasters. We can look at the world. Yeah, there's earthquakes. There's hurricanes. There's famines. There's floods. There's pandemics. Whoa, pandemics, right? All of these things are happening. So we can look at that and say, yeah, this is, this is going on during these last days. Jesus in verse 12, he gets this 
crazy statement here where he's talking about how brother will go against brother and father against child and child against parents. I look at the world today and, and family divisions are happening. Marriages are falling apart. It isn't as important. Single parent homes are more common. We can look at the world today and say, yeah, family division is happening. And finally, we look at persecution too. In verse 13, Jesus says that persecution is going to happen. You will be hated for, by all for my name's sake. And so if you're wondering, are we living in these last days? You can look at this and say, yeah, I think we're smack dab in the middle of it in these last days. And, and just a quick note for any skeptics in the room. Pretty spot on from Jesus in terms of what's going to happen, right? Just thought that was cool. Just thought that was something to note. The encouragement I want to point us to today, though, is not one of fear to look at this and be afraid. Oh, no. Like, judgment is happening. I'm scared. It's not one of judgment either to say the world needs to be condemned. This, this, like, judging the world and all of these things. It, it shouldn't even be looking at this and saying, here's a prediction and be distracted by a prediction that's going to happen with the end times. This should really be one of intentional attentiveness to the fact, yeah, this world is broken. And this world is in desperate need of Jesus. And so to look at this and say, I, I can't rely on the things of this world anymore because it's broken. And to be watchful for signs that if this is happening, that means Jesus is very close. I need to get close to him. Right? I look at the world I acknowledge that these are the signs and say, I've got to get right with God. I've got to get close to Jesus. Living in the last days means looking and just being attentive and watching for signs, being attentive to the world, and then knowing what that means. All right, so the first thing is to watch for signs when living in the last days. Next, during these last days, stay awake. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep. I grew up playing, like, all the sports, all right? And, and I found when playing any sport, take basketball, golf, volleyball, you name it, when it comes to the end of the game or the end of a match or the end of a point, that is the most important time to lock in. That's the time you have to focus. But at the same time, it's also the hardest time to focus at the very end because you're at your most exhausted mentally and physically. But those are the times to lock in. For basketball, it's why free throws at the end of a game are a roller coaster ride. We get so frustrated with our teams that can't make free throws, right? But you have to think about it. They are at their most exhausted mentally and physically, but those are the times where you have to focus. Free throws seem so simple, yet they make it so difficult. Right? I think about for golf. When I played high school golf, I struggled with this. I would play amazing for the first 15 holes. <laughs> then I'd fall apart for the last three. Right? Or for volleyball, there is an unwritten rule. I'm, I'm giving you guys all these sports lessons. There's an unwritten rule in volleyball that if you have game point and you're serving, don't miss the serve. Get the serve in. All right, it all comes down to focus. When the game is coming to an end, that's when you need to be the most alert and the most ready. It's the same idea here. As we live in these last days, now is not the time to fall asleep. 
to get lazy in our faith, to get apathetic in our walk with Jesus. Because here's the thing, if these are the signs to look for, if Jesus says these are the signs to watch for, then it's time we realize we're surrounded by this. Now is not the time to go through the motions. Jesus says to be on your guard lest you get swept up in everything. Be on your guard. And the truth of the matter is Jesus might be here soon. He might be here soon. So here's the question. What are the ways that we stay awake in the last days as we await Jesus to come back? How do we stay awake? Well, number one is to bear witness. Bear witness. If you look at verse 9 through verse 11, Jesus tells the disciples, he's like, hey guys, you need to be on your guard because they're going to deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake and you'll bear witness to them. In these last days, you are going to have opportunities to be a light for Jesus to verbally proclaim who the answer is to the brokenness in our hearts and in this world. Jesus was telling these disciples, this is what's gonna happen, guys. You're gonna have to bear witness to people. And that's exactly what happened. If you look in the book of Acts, this is like word for word what the disciples are gonna go do. They're gonna bear witness in front of the synagogues and in front of councils. Jesus is calling us to this as well. And he says this to the disciples at the very end of this, of this book. He says to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. The question is, how do you stay awake? How do you not become stagnant, asleep, apathetic as we live in the world right now? I'm going to be honest with you guys. I think we need to really start practicing standing before our friends, before our coworkers, before our family, and proclaiming the gospel, actually actually putting this into practice with small steps. Because the thing is, we become asleep. We become lackadaisical when we don't live in the reality that we are right now in the last days. I think sometimes we sit on our couch and we're like, and we think, yeah, this is an urgent matter. I think I, think I need to be more urgent with this. But that's as far as we go. We don't cooperate with the Holy Spirit as in we feel that nudge to say something or to take action and actually practice this. We think it, but we don't do it. Cooperating with the Spirit wakes us up to the urgency of God's mission. Cooperating and actually taking action, actually saying something instead of thinking it. Because here's the thing, the heart of God is that everyone will reach repentance. And when you cooperate with that God, the urgency kicks in. We don't become lackadaisical or lazy anymore because now we got the power of God moving in us, right? So number one is to bear witness. You don't wanna fall asleep during this time, bear witness to someone. Number two, endure to the end. If you look at verse 13, at the very end, Jesus says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Staying awake in these last days means enduring the suffering of living in a broken world and choosing to remain faithful to the one that promises to get you out of it. Guys, living in these last days means that we're gonna have to have endurance. We're gonna have to have endurance. And, and, and the truth is Jesus mentioned some pretty intense stuff here 
living in a hostile world is going to really require endurance. I didn't have a lot of time to get into this, but if you look over into verse 14 on down, we get to this idea of the abomination of desolation, right? And, and this is one of the more confusing passages, all right, a lot of scholars look at this and they say, well, Jesus is probably talking about Satan here. He might be talking about a future antichrist. Some say this is what happened when the actual destruction of the temple happened in 66. All right, then Jesus goes into tribulation. It's these years of judgment. And the question becomes, well, is this coming? Is it happening right now? Did it already happen? What I believe we can look at this in this passage and see is that there is a truth that the world is going to be judged. And this world that's being judged, for now, Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded. Again, here's the language again. Be watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. A hostile world and a real enemy means that I have to live a life of endurance. I have to persevere. And I don't have to name a bunch of examples here in this room because I'm sure even in this past year, every single person can see the effects of living in a broken world and taking actions that are against and anger a prowling lion. You can see what that does. What it means is Jesus says, stay awake, endure to the end. Hold on, guys. Hold on just a little while longer and you will be saved. I promise. I love this passage from Hebrews that gets at this. It says, therefore, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay but my righteous one, they shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But here it is, church. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We don't shrink back. When we see these last days, we don't get swept up in the culture and all of these lies. We don't shrink back. We stand firm, we hold to this truth that Jesus is coming back and I'm gonna endure. I'm gonna endure the hard things. I love this passage. I just wanted to throw this in there from 2 Timothy because this is getting at everything we're talking about here. He says, for the time is coming when people will not, here's the word again, endure sound teaching. But they're gonna have itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Does that sound relevant today? Right? We follow what we want to hear, right? As for you, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist or bear witness, fulfill your ministry. Church, staying awake in these last days means you're going to endure. But you have a promise that's coming. Bear witness, endure suffering. Number three, to know that no one knows the day or the hour. Flip over with me over to verse 32 through 37. Jesus in this 
says, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and he puts his servants in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, I hope you guys are getting this if you remember anything, stay awake. Staying awake in these last days means understanding. Jesus could be here at any moment. At any moment. That should change how I live every day with my family, with my friends, with my coworkers. When I was growing up, I was big time into the Left Behind books. Like big time. I read them all. All right. Any show of hands, like you guys know what the Left Behind books are, right? All right, it's this idea of like the rapture and like everyone would like one day just disappear and go up to heaven and like people would just be left here, left behind, okay? I was terrified of that. I remember there would be days where I would sprint down the stairs on a Saturday morning or sprint home after school and I couldn't find my parents for like a minute, <laughs> right? I'm like, oh no, it happened, right? I would, I would be looking around for a pile of clothes and jewelry, and it's like, <laughs> I'm left behind, <laughs> right? So, funny thing, I actually would do this. I started carrying my Bible around all the time <laughs> because I'm like, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Like, <laughs> and I want this to happen. If I, if I go, boom, the Bible drops. And it's like, well, Zach was holding his Bible. He was ready, right? <laughs> and and again, it's, it's funny. I look back on that and I'm like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> right? But sometimes I feel like we should live with that urgency and expectation. Sometimes I feel like we should live like that. Jesus says, behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Right? Jesus is saying, you don't want to be found deep in your shame, not ready. You want to be found in the freedom and the forgiveness of following and being a disciple of me. And if you look, let's note verse 24 through the verse 27. I didn't quite get to this yet, but, but Jesus promises that there, there is a coming of the Son of Man, that Jesus is coming back. We have a promise that Jesus is coming. And so we need to live every, every day like that could happen at any single moment. And so what does it mean to stay awake during these last days? It means to bear witness. It means to endure suffering. Right? It means that you live as if no one knows this could happen at any time. Finally, during these last days, we're going to take a little lesson from a fig tree. All right, if you didn't know, maybe you're following today, Mike gave me 37 verses, <laughs> all right? Tried to address all of it, but there's just some in this sermon that we just won't get to, but I didn't want to miss this lesson that Jesus gives. It's in verse 28 through 31 of Mark chapter 13. I want to read this to us this morning. 
Jesus says, from the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things take place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. As we look at this world, as we look at the words of Jesus, I believe it's safe to say that we're living in these last days. Which means, according to Jesus, according to the lesson of the fig tree, Jesus is very close. He's very close. But I don't think he's just talking about coming soon. Right? As we see in verse 24 through 27, the Son of Man coming back. He, he's talking about that, but he's not just talking about that. By the power of the cross and the power of Jesus' death and resurrection, guys, Jesus is closer than he ever has been. Jesus is close right now. I think of Revelation 3.20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and just opens the door, I will come in and I'll eat with him and he with me. Guys, Jesus is right here at the door in these last days and he's knocking and he's close. Our response today is to take advantage in these last days of how close the Lord is to you right now, to live right now in presence with the Spirit. Not to live as God is far away, he's coming eventually, but no, no, God is here now. And he's doing a work in these last days that you do not want to miss. I believe if Jesus didn't want us to live differently right now in the world, here's what he would have said. Hey, I'm probably coming back soon. Probably coming back actually at some point. I don't know. And that's it. But Jesus doesn't do that. He gave us signs to look for. He gave us promises to hold and he gave us instructions to follow so that we might be carriers of the gospel and to intercede for this world that is broken and to intercede for those that have yet to reach repentance. So the application this morning is simple. The best way to be on your guard is to get close to the one who told you to. That you look at the signs, you wanna stay awake, get close to Jesus. Don't go through the motions anymore. Don't get apathetic. Get close to Jesus. This morning, I would hope that our intimacy with the Lord grows as we live in these last days. And I want this to start with how we pray. That's one of the closest things we have with our interaction with God is, is praying to him. And so our prayer intimacy should grow in these last days. We should pray for truth to be revealed and for lies to be silenced. Church, we should pray for a hostile world. We should pray for the courage to bear witness, to actually say something, to actually do something instead of think it. We should pray for endurance in our suffering, that when hard things come, we don't just throw in the towel, but we say, I know there's a promise coming and I'm gonna endure. And finally, we should pray to be found ready. I'll leave you with a verse from Psalms. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Amen.